Well, good morning, everyone. Out there, face to face, and out there in your homes, wherever you're watching, it's great to have you all here with us. We're really glad we can gather together today. As James said, we're studying James. So those of you who are behind him can look at the back of his head. I can see the front of him. <laughs> yeah, count it all joy when the wheels fall off. You all good at that, hey? <laughs> real faith for real life. Isn't it interesting, hey? I don't know how you found this series, but it's, um, it's practical and it, it, it hits us right where we are in our lives. And it helps us to get our attitudes straightened out and uh, you know, just to see things through God's eyes. So uh, we, we're talking about the book of James. As James said, it's a mini-series and we, we're just in chapter 1 and we don't even finish chapter 1 in our first five sermon mini-series. And that's because there's a lot of stuff in there that needs processing. It's quick to read, easy to gloss over, hard to put into practice. So um, we keep on knocking on the same door of James's. Um, and it's called, the, the, the subtitle is A Faith That Grows Through Trials. And uh, we trust that we're going to grow as we go through this. This is, as James said, the last. And uh, there's only three verses in this sermon. But actually, it's a summary of what we've done so far. And we're going to just tackle those three verses kind of at the end of it. But um, there, there's a, we've been having a title for each one of these sermons and they've been put together in a sentence. I think Luke might have done this. I'm not sure who was responsible, but I really liked it. It was him. Yeah. Probably helped by Lauren, if I know, but uh, <laughs> I really think it's great. Just to summarize what we've done so far. A faith that grows through trials, perseveres towards maturity, seeks wisdom from above, has an identity rooted in Christ, not circumstances, and knows where it is vulnerable to temptation. That's the sentence so far. There's one more little phrase to come at the end when we tackle our last three verses. But faith that grows through trials perseveres towards maturity, seeks wisdom from above, has an identity rooted in Christ, not in circumstances, and knows where it is vulnerable to temptation. Okay, so the verses we're going to be looking at this morning... Uh, James uh, 1, verses 16 to 18. I'm just going to read them, but then I'm going to do a quick review of how we got you. And so just the encouragement is to remember who God is in the midst of your trials. Um, how many of us, when we're going through trials, uh, go to our default setting of trying to fix things? And how many of us say, well, God, I don't know what to do now. I need your help. Um, I like to use the odd real-life sermon illustrations, but I am really found this morning's illustration a little bit too close for comfort. I was at a wedding yesterday, and um, I'd pretty much got my sermon sorted out. Uh, I'd got the PowerPoint largely finished. Just wanted to do a little couple of touch-ups, and I thought, well, I'll do that when we get back from the wedding. But it was in Stellenbosch, and we got back late, and I thought, well, I can do that in the morning. So I got up early this morning and switched my computer on, and it would not boot up. It just went pss, 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 pss. And I thought, wow, count it all joy. <laughs> I'm learning some lessons here. Thank you, God, for an illustration. So I said, well, Lord, 
I'm just going to rejoice in this situation. And I'm going to leave this thing just going round and round while I go and make myself a cup of tea. And then I printed out my kind of rough notes. I thought, well, this is all I've got at the moment. Let me just start with this and uh, make sure I can at least print from my notes, uh, even if we don't have the PowerPoint. And then suddenly, there it was. And I thought, ah, thank you, Lord. And isn't it interesting, um, when I let it go, God kind of moved into action. And I was actually having a great time just going through my notes. I thought, this is actually much easier than scrolling up and down. I can see it all. And I thought, wow, God, count it all joy. So we face so many situations in life where we either try and blame someone else or we get, go crazy trying to fix the problem. But the truth is God knows exactly where we are and what we're going through all the time. So uh, I come with fresh illustrations this morning, straight out of the oven of life. <laughs> okay, so remember who God is in the midst of your trial. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. He brings his truth to bear on our situations. I just want to pause for a moment and pray for Luke, because I heard from Lauren that he's speaking on the belt of truth in Plymouth today. How about that? And I just saw that it's by the truth of the word of God that we are helped in our trials. So, Father, we just want to thank you so much for Luke and for this opportunity to be at the Advanced Global Conference over there in the UK. And, Lord, I just want to pray that as he preaches in a little while in Plymouth on the, on the belt of truth, that, Lord, you will speak through him and speak to those people. Lord, I just pray because he's, he's speaking into an unknown culture and an unknown congregation. But you know exactly where they are and you can anoint him just as you know exactly where each one of us is. And Lord, no matter what I've been going through this morning, your word remains true and powerful and effective in each one of our lives. And we count it all joy that not only uh, can we uh, go through all of these trials, but you are there with us and you teach us in the midst of them. And so Lord, the whole point of this, this sermon today is that it doesn't matter what happens, you are there with us. But we need to make sure we are tuned into you, focused on what you are saying. So help us to do that today as we listen to your word in Jesus' name. Okay, so that is the, the verse for today. And we're going to now kind of go back and, and just review what we've done so far. And um, I'm look at the first four verses. Uh, James, the father of lights, is at work in you. That, that's what I want to just say about the first four verses. We just read about that, that the father of lights is busy working in us. And James starts this book by saying, James introduces himself. A bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. To the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greetings, my brethren. Counted or joy. There it is. When you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I'm sure you all pray for patience every day. It's one of our favorite fruits of the Holy Spirit. 
We want love and joy and peace and all the good things, but patience, although we'll pray for someone else to get patience. (laughs) Okay, so James is speaking about these things, and this is what I love is is the strap piano, real faith for real life. And just think about James. I mean, this guy is the half-brother of Jesus. He grew up with him. He's known him all his life, and he didn't believe he was the Messiah. When the family came to see him, they all said, no, your mother and your brothers are here. And he said, what's that got to do with me? I'm busy here. And and they, they kind of mocked him and said, why don't you go up to the Passover? Why are you staying here? And he said, no, I'm going to remain here a little while. So they, they didn't see who he was. They didn't grasp it. Uh, this guy, James, he, he saw Jesus growing up, and he just didn't get it. But then came the crucifixion and the resurrection. Whoa. I, I've just so enjoyed this, um, this Passover season. The way we ramped up to it and the way we kind of carried on. In our life groups, we we just didn't want to leave it. We didn't go back to James. We just kept going with the Passover. We just thought, this is so central. This is so important. And this guy, James, he just is blown away by the reality of who his stepbrother really is. And I just love what he says. He doesn't say, as some of us might say, you know, I'm Peter Jenkins, son of a famous preacher, which is not true. But, uh, you know, we, we, we like to pump ourselves up. And, uh, in fact, my dad wasn't even a Christian. But anyway, um, <laughs> do you know how we, we, we sometimes like to connect by dropping a few names and letting everyone know that, actually, I've got some credentials. James doesn't do that. He says, I'm a bond servant, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Not my boot. Jesus Christ. He is my Lord. So just the attitude that comes through James, I, I think kind of, for me, it, it, that was key to understanding this whole portion, is what is my attitude to these situations that James outlines? Because he has learned by growing up with Jesus and by getting it all wrong and then seeing the trials that Jesus went through and then seeing the resurrection and he's got some wisdom to impart to us as a result. And he, he has this understanding that God is Lord and Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he addresses this to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. I love that too. Um, most of those 12 tribes, I don't even know where they were. They were all over the show. The... <laughs> The, the, the tribes of Judah and Benjamin had been scattered much more recently, but they were all scattered when the Romans destroyed Jerusalem and the temple in 70 AD, all over the world. But James says, he addresses this letter to them. It's kind of like those broadcast WhatsApp to all you guys. Here it is. And if you want to get this message, you better read, check with your phone. And um, if you don't, you miss your broadcast. He, he kind of sends out this Scattered message to people. He's not addressing anyone in particular, but just all those who have this heritage of being born into the tribes of Israel. And guess what, guys? The Messiah has come. And I want to tell you a bit about him. So he's specifically addressing this to the children of Israel who are scattered all over the place. And he addresses them as my brethren. 
doesn't address Jesus as my brother, but these people, most of whom he's never met and he doesn't know where they even are, he addresses them as his brothers because they are all brothers because of the blood of Jesus and the grace of God. So just, I think, a lovely insight into to James's humility and his attitude and the way that God has dealt with him as his eyes were opened and he realized how badly he missed it for all those years when he was growing up and how amazing was the revelation when he finally got it. Okay, so count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Okay, so he, he tells us we need, to, we need to be patient. We need to let, let God work in us and um, yeah, make us perfect, more like Jesus. Okay, so... I think that's probably enough on, the, on this first portion. Um, just his attitudes to trials, I think, is so important. So the next four verses, as we summarize, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Not what we want. We don't want to be unstable. We don't want to be double-minded. We want to be focused. We want to really just zone in into Jesus and into his word and understand what it is that he is trying to do in our lives. So the challenge here is not to be confused. Because if you're double-minded, you're confused, aren't you? On the one hand, we know the Bible, we know about the gospel, we understand a little bit. But when problems come, many times we apply our experience, our logic, before we even ask God, what is going on here? What, what do I need to do? How can I solve this situation? So the, the challenge here is, do not be confused, but ask God for wisdom. And these first four verses are that we've just read, so he, I feel like he's kind of referring back to them. They are really challenging. Uh, this idea of, of being a bond servant. How do you like the idea of being a slave? I remember uh, we had a, a life group that came out of an Alpha course, so they were all pretty new believers. And we were talking about this topic when Paul talks about being a bond servant. So do you realize what that is? That's a slave. No, not like the idea of being a slave. We're free. Um, uh, Jesus has set us free. But the truth is, Jesus has bought us. We are his. We belong to him. And he takes us as bond servants, and then he promotes us to be adopted into the family, which happened in those days. Uh, if you remember, Abram had this um, the steward in his house, and he said, he's the heir because I don't have a child. So... Um, there was a sense where as you served as a slave, you could be drawn into the family. And that's the beauty of what Jesus has done for us. We were slaves to sin, and he came and died for us, set us free from the power of sin and death, but now we became his servants. And as we serve him and as we get to understand what that means and what joy there is 
It's not like the world's idea of slavery. There's such fulfillment and joy in doing what the master wants us to be doing. And in fact, that's probably the first and most important thing is, what do I do with my life? I serve Jesus. I may have a career that generates finance, but my primary purpose is to serve Jesus. And James has finally got that. And so he's coming at, at us with these, these challenges. And he's saying, if, as, as a bondservant, a slave, does that appeal to you? If, you? if you don't get it, ask for wisdom. Submitting to God, putting everything under his control. How many of you have a, a secret stash that you're still in charge of? And the rest of your life you say, oh, God, you can take care of that. That's where all the bad stuff happens. You can fix that. But I want to take control of this area. He says, no, I want to be in control of every area of your life. Ask for wisdom about how do you submit everything to him. Because in our own strength, we can't do that. And I think that's one of the key points here, is no matter how hard we try to, to do the things that James suggests, it's not going to work unless we get God involved in every single one of these steps and ask his Holy Spirit to help us and allow him to shine the light of his truth into our lives. So how do we do this? We sever ties with my old world. Embracing the new, embracing trials, embracing patience. I don't know about you, but when I was kind of struggling with whether I would put my faith in Jesus, whether I really believed he was the Messiah, this was the one thing that really got to me. Letting go of everything. Does this mean I lose all my friends? Does this mean I've got to change everything in my life? I was really suspicious of what God might get up to and a little bit doubtful about it, whether it was really the right way to go. And I think many times we, we want to hold on to a lot of areas of our lives, but he wants us to release everything to him because his plan for us is perfect. He's got a good plan for each one of us. And one of the underlying questions in, in James's story here is do you really trust God? with everything. And of course, that's, that's what we have to do. We're Christians, Christ followers. We are being transformed into his image. We have to trust him with everything, uh, including all those tough things. Are we allowing God to work in us? Yeah, I think many of us say, well, yes, I really want to go to heaven. I want to be saved. But I don't know about all this character change and becoming like Jesus and and, and we may say, yes, no, I want to be more like Jesus, but actually the way we walk our life out, um, all of us, including me, probably especially me, is indicates that we haven't actually submitted everything under his lordship. So uh, these are hard things, and we don't have the answers, and therefore we need to ask for wisdom. How do I serve you as a Christian? So like James, I guess we've got to examine our attitude Do I rely on my thinking rather than God's wisdom? Do I become doubly minded, uh, spiritually unstable, going backwards and forwards between what I want and that's the old me versus what God wants for my life? And then he challenges us and says, this is the way you know. Count it all joy when the wheels fall off, when things go wrong in your life. Is your first response to ask God for help or do you start trying to solve the problem? And I think probably we all, all do a bit of each. So um, we're being challenged here. 
are we wholeheartedly going to go for God? So James is, is um, putting us under the spotlight, and, and that's really quite interesting because uh, we read there the, the final chapters. He is the father of lights, uh, in whom there's no shadow of turning. And what he wants to do is to bring his light and his truth to shine into those dark, shadowy areas of our life. And we may not love the contrast, but it's very pertinent that he is perfect light. There's no, no matter which way he faces, like the sun, there's always light radiating from him. But with us, we always cast a shadow, don't we? And so there are those areas of our lives that are still in the dark that we maybe don't want to deal with yet. And he's wanting to shine his light and his truth. We saw that, and we're going to get to those verses just now, into our lives. And as his truth goes in there, we are challenged because we, it, it requires change. Um, and if we're going to embrace his truth, we've got to embrace change and count it all joy when sometimes the going gets tough as he squeezes us to, to get into those places. When I say squeezes, I'm not sure. Uh, we've seen before he doesn't cause temptation, but he will work through the trials in our lives. He uses them to our advantage and for the um, extension of his kingdom. So uh, the tough things we need to embrace. Okay, next uh, in our summary of, of the verses we have already done is verses 9 to 12. Is my identity rooted in Christ? That's the question I want us to ask. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but the rich in his humiliation. Because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. For no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass. Its flowers fall, and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his pursuits. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. So this is uh, the, this business of comparing ourselves with others, and I, I illustrated that a little bit at the beginning, that um, James was humble. He, he didn't pump up his relationship to Jesus. Um, and, and, and we so often compare ourselves with other people. Uh, I think from birth. I think it's just part of Adam that we inherited. Uh, if, you, if, you, if you've got kids, if you haven't got kids, if you've been a kid recently, uh, <laughs> you remember the sibling rivalry and just for what just to irritate your parents no we, we want to be better we want more we want our share which is more than my brother's share or um we we have this skewed view of our rights and our position in life and we we see maybe the the beautiful and the rich and the wealthy and we envy them and we see the downtrodden and we say, shame. Um, but actually, we are who God created us to be. And he's got a purpose for every single one of us. And every one of our lives really matters to him. The Bible says those who compare themselves among themselves are not wise. When you look at other people and, and look at what they got, you feel like a worm. When you look at... Others who maybe don't have what you have and you feel like, hey, I'm, I'm doing all right. Pride enters in. So whenever we start comparing ourselves with other people, we either come out thinking we're better than or we're worse than them. 
And neither of those is healthy because we are slaves of Jesus Christ. And the only really important relationship is how do we relate to our master? And how do we fulfill his will in our lives? Because when we do that, we fulfilled our purpose in being here. And that's, I don't think that's often kind of um, in highlights uh, in our life, in our daily walk, that I'm here to fulfill whatever God wants me to do today. Um, it's, we, we have a whole list of things we want to get done. And somewhere, maybe if we're lucky at the beginning, we get to just say, hey, God, can you help me with this list? And at the end, we say, wow, God, we didn't get much done today, did we? Well, maybe we should have just submitted more of our life and plan for the day to him. Okay, so our attitudes to others, those who compare themselves are not wise. He is the father of lights and he knows all about you and that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Isn't that remarkable? And even the ones who we would consider, man, that was a mistake. That, that is, how did that person end up with such a burden in life? And then you look at how some of those kind of people shine for Jesus and witness far better than I ever will. And then you think, wow, what is their purpose in life? What's my purpose? It's the same. To radiate the kingdom of God, to share the gospel. And if their deformity, if their handicap becomes a, a testimony, becomes part of their story, becomes part of their victory, they are fulfilling what God has asked them to do. So just, we, we have to reprogram our culture, our life, because I think all of us have this thing of, the moment you meet someone, there's something deep in the old Adamic person that's saying, yeah, that one's not so great, and wow, this is someone I need to get to know. Okay? Um, whether it's for influence, or we really think they're, bright and intelligent and can add to our lives or whatever it is, there's a personal agenda and it's all wrong. Okay. Yeah, this, this thing about our attitudes. And I was just thinking about John the Baptist. And when they, they said, are you the Christ? And he didn't even for a moment hesitate and, well, you never know, maybe. <laughs> He said, no, there's another one coming after me whose sandals I'm not even worthy to untie. And he was, Jesus said, the greatest of the prophets. And he says, I'm not even worthy to untie his shoelaces. So he, he had this, this right understanding of who he is and who God is and what am I here for. I'm here, what was John's message? To, to, to tell people the kingdom of God is at hand. The Messiah is coming. And when he'd finished that, he had nothing left to do. And he was beheaded. And yes, all of his disciples and friends were sorry. But in terms of God's plan, mission accomplished. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Wow. You see, we look with such human eyes. Man, this, this man of God, this guy who preached to thousands, this guy who died so horribly and so young. Wow, he did a great job. We, we tend not to add that last bit. I mean, yeah, I guess we respect John the Baptist, but it seems a bit unfair, doesn't it, to, our, to Adam? <laughs> okay, what about Pilate? He says to Jesus, don't you know I've got power to release you or power to kill you? 
And Jesus said, you'd have no power over me unless it was given to you by my Father in heaven. Whoa. How many of us view those who persecute us like that and say, shame, this poor person doesn't understand. They've got no power over me. So often we let people out there have much too much power over us. Um, we, we either want to be like the rich and famous or uh, we spend half our days grumbling about politics and corruption and all the things that are going on and that you read about on the news. Let me tell you, you don't hear the good news on the news. But that's, that's our message and that's what we're here for. I, I believe we should know what's going on, but I don't think we should let it get inside us and devour us. Okay. We move on to the, the fourth in the summary, James 1, 13 to 16. Just remember, the Father of lights is at work, and today he's shining his torch. And let me tell you, his torch faces in every direction, and he's shining it into our lives and revealing things to us. And that's what my prayer is today, is the Holy Spirit will show us where we are falling short in these areas that James is highlighting and remembering that James was just like us once. But he had that huge and amazing revelation when Jesus rose from the grave and everything changed. And he wants us to change too and to become more like Jesus. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Why does God allow suffering? Well, basically sin entered in the world and it's been a mess ever since then. And we are in this world, but not of it. But in the midst of our suffering and the suffering we see all around about us, he is with us. He's got a perfect plan for us. And he's wanting to shine his light into our lives to show us where we are falling short and to help us to get through the various trials of life. So um, this last point, which was last week's sermon, I, I would just like to encourage you if, you, if you missed last week's sermon, please listen to it. I really can't summarize this one the way that Luke preached it. It was an excellent, excellent message. And I would really encourage you to, to listen to it and to just, yeah, just let God speak to you. Where is he when I need him? Or the world needs him? How many times have people question you and say, where is this God of yours? Look what's happening in the Ukraine. As though that was God's fault. So man does terrible things because of sin, but it's not God that is doing them. He works in the midst of all the problem situations of life, and he does amazing things. This wedding I was at yesterday, the, the bride was, uh, she's a doctor, young doctor, um, and she had to do her community service, and she did that in Kailicha, and she thought, you know what, I think I can serve God better here than in a private practice or specializing so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work here in Kailisha. And she's been there for years now. During COVID, 
she was called out because there were no doctors who were healthy there. And she wasn't on call, but she, she was called out. There were 300 people suffering with COVID. She was the one who went for them. All the other doctors didn't come. She went straight into the storm. I thought, man, this is, this is really serving Jesus, laying down your life. Really impressed when you see a young person who just has a different agenda in their lives. What they want to achieve, where they're going, what they want to be doing for the Lord. We need to be careful of saying, why doesn't God remove these temptations? Because we see here that these temptations come from within us. He didn't put them there. We allow our desires to grow within us. And there's this rather scary kind of description of what actually happens there. When desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Francis Chan does a really gruesome illustration of this. I hope you are strong this morning. And, and he says this is, this is like childbirth. It's, 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 it's something is conceived within the person. And he's saying in this case it's sin. Um, or the desire that gives birth to sin. That sin now develops. But, and, and he says that this thing at the end about death there uh, coming forth. When it's full, full grown. When sin is full grown, it brings forth death. He said it's like a baby growing to full term but actually being dead at the end, and that the, when the delivery comes, it's a stillborn baby. And he said, that's the horrible picture that is being painted here. I can see some of you are not enjoying my illustration. I blame Francis Chan. <laughs> but I think this is true, isn't it? Sin brings forth death. And he's talking about conception and birth and death. And it, it's almost like uh, when we allow sin to, to remain in our lives, Go through life with a death sentence all the way. It doesn't matter whether you're still born at birth or whether you live to be 90. If you haven't received Jesus as your Savior, death is the end result. So it is a gruesome picture, but according to Francis Chan, it's in the, in the Greek. <laughs> so, um, maybe James will check that out for us. <laughs> yeah, so um, just we need to be aware that we are the ones who are responsible, responsible for dealing with these desires of ours. We have to nip them in the bud. We have to ask God to show us what are these things that are leading me astray. Get him, ask him to shine that light into your life so that you can deal with these issues. Oops, I'm sorry. I'm losing my path here. So we need to know where temptation comes from and why God allows suffering in our world, why he doesn't remove it. He's allowing us to grow as we deal with these trials that come our way. Okay, let's, let's go now to our final verse. And let's just reread James 1 verse 16 to 18. Remembering who God is in the midst of our trials. That's the whole purpose. Remember who he is. Um, Count it all joy when these trials come upon us and remember who he is in the midst of those things. Don't be overwhelmed. I mean, it was just so good for me when my computer wouldn't boot up. And I just thought, whoa, count it all joy. Just, God, I'll, I'll just go in there and preach with what I've got if I have to. But it would be really nice to have the PowerPoint and just left it with him. And it was interesting. I came in here and I came to the desk to, to uh, hand over my 
my memory stick so that um, Liz could put the PowerPoint up here. And she and Leanne were buzzing. Man, nothing's working this morning. I don't know what's going on. I said, yes. <laughs> when nothing works, you know Satan doesn't want you to get the message. You know that? When you're facing a lot of opposition, you need to ask, where is this coming from? Who doesn't want me to see the, receive this blessing from God? And then you stand, and having done all, you stand against all his creepy plans. He said, Lord, I want to receive from you today what you've got for me and not be unduly phased by the fact that none of us can get our computers working this morning. <laughs> in fact, I, 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 my father-in-law always used to say, he said, when, when the same thing happens again and again in sequence, you know who's behind it because he's got no imagination. If it works first time, you'll try it again until it doesn't work. So well done, Liz, for getting your computer up. We put an end to all that nonsense. <laughs> okay. So let's now just complete the, the sentence we started with this morning. And that is, the faith that grows through trials, perseveres towards maturity, seeks wisdom from above, has an identity rooted in Christ, not circumstances, knows where it is vulnerable to temptation, and remembers who God is in the midst of the trials. That's the key to this whole portion. We need to remember who he is and then not be deceived by Satan's lies, but rather to let him shine his truth and his light within us so that we can grow strong in him. Do not be deceived. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. So when the gifts are not good, when the things that come into your life are bad, you know the source. And yes, God may be allowing it, but we know that it's because of our own desires, it's because of sin, it's because Satan has, has got his schemes that are working. We need to just count it all joy, come back to Jesus, get our focus right again, and allow him to shine his truth and his light into our lives. The word of God is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, separating between the soul and the marrow, with the bone and the marrow. Um, and, and, and he can... The, the Word of God can show us what the underlying problem is under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need to be reading our Bibles. We need to be asking the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And I really believe He's been speaking to us through this James series. Such practical stuff. And just want to encourage you as we get towards the end. You can see I've preached a very short message on the last verses. <laughs> um, just to encourage you to review these lessons to reread these chapters, to listen to some of these uh, messages, particularly the last one, um, and just make sure you are applying them into your lives. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. So when the bad stuff's happening, we know the real source. It's either Satan is coming against us or our own desires, which we are allowing to run away with us, eventually conceive sin, so our desires... We have some natural desires, but they have to be channeled in the right direction. But if we allow them to, to have free reign and, and go where they shouldn't go, then we get ourselves into trouble. So every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. He is not double-minded in any way. He is not tossed to and fro. And there's this, this wonderful con contrast between the double-minded man who just is backwards and forward, tossed to and fro, and God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Never changes. 
doesn't say, whoops, I shouldn't have put that verse in the Bible. She says, I've given you the whole story. You may not understand it, but it's all there to help you. So we are supposed to be becoming conformed into his image. So double-mindedness is exactly the opposite. So when we are tossed to and fro, when you find yourself wrestling, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I? You've got to just say, whoa, God, what's going on here? What do you want from me in this situation? What do you want to achieve? What are you doing in my life? So when you feel all stirred up, know that that's not from God. God has a good and a perfect way for you. And yes, you may be going through a whole sifting process to find what that is and <laughs> searching and trying to find out what, what's, what on earth is going on. But God is there to help you. So we need to turn to him and get him to help us. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of the first fruits of his creation. He is the one who has created us by the word of truth. In the beginning, God spoke. And his word speaks into our lives today. Same God, same wisdom, same source of all these words of life that he wants to impart to us. So just really want to encourage you today uh, in all of these things that we've been seeing in, in James, fairly straightforward things, but they really get to us, don't they? We, we battle with every one of these issues. I wonder if we could stand and then read through, Liz, if you can put that final uh, faith that grows through trials with all five points there. Maybe we can just read these from the screen together. And just before we do, I just want to pray that we will, we will say these words with intention and with a desire to see them really coming to life in our lives. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for James, for his humility and for the revelation you gave him. That he didn't get it at all. He didn't have any wisdom, any truth concerning Jesus Christ, his brother. But when he saw the resurrection, when he saw the power of God, his whole life was changed. And Lord, he has gained so much wisdom through that whole process. We just thank you that he chose to write that down, to, to share it with all of the scattered people of Israel. And Lord, today he's sharing that with us. And we've all come here from somewhere. We've all been scattered somehow in life. But Lord, you know where we are and you're busy working in our lives. Father, may we learn from these key points in the message, this mini-series in James, in Jesus' name. Right, can we just say together, a faith that grows through trials perseveres towards maturity, seeks wisdom from above, has an identity rooted in Christ, not circumstances, knows where it is vulnerable to temptation, and remembers who God is in the midst of the trials. Amen.